Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. <laughs> Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. <laughs> Shut up. Like, I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and edit that. Whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to another Xenomorphorific episode of Fanholes. Comics, motherfucker! Do you read them? Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I am not down with UPP, yeah, you know me. And joining me tonight is one of my fellow podcasters. Why don't you give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, this is Justin. All right. So this is part of our ongoing Fanholes Trite Fest month on Fanholes Podcast. And we're doing another comics motherfucker episode. And we decided, me and Justin decided to sit down and discuss William Gibson's Alien 3. And just to give the the sort of high level overview of, of what this is, basically. This is a five issue miniseries from Dark Horse Comics. It's written by, well, I guess... This is where it gets complex, but the reason why it's called William Gibson's Alien 3 is William Gibson wrote a screenplay, one of the ten different drafts of Alien 3, so that explains why it's not the you know, planet made of wood screenplay. It's it's a different screenplay. Apparently this was maybe like the second screenplay or something like that of the ten, but basically I think there's the interest in that because it's William Gibson and he's like the, you know, the father of, you know, cyberpunk, you know, cyberspace, you know, he's the, the, you know, the, the, the Johnny mnemonic guy, so to speak. That's, that's me being the literary Philistine. I'm just going to call him the Johnny mnemonic guy. But yeah, he, he obviously he's written a lot of science fiction work and he wrote a screenplay for Alien 3. And obviously there was a lot of interest in that. So this was then adapted and illustrated by Johnny Christmas, a comic book artist and published by Dark Horse Comics. And the five issues were released from November 2018 to March 2019. And yeah, so we, we thought, you know, aliens are scary. That fits with Fright Fest. And, you know, we, we did have a a lengthy, back in the, the good old days of the podcast proper, when there weren't a bunch of spinoff shows, we did have our our aliens-themed shows, and of course, you know, I, I, I talked uh, in great detail about my feelings on Alien 3, and, and suffice it to say, Alien 3 is not one of my favorite Alien films in the franchise, but I, I was utterly fascinated by all the behind-the-scenes shit show that, that created Alien 3, and and to have another layer thrown into it, I, I think... For me, I was like, wait, there's an adaption of one of the ten screenplays, and it 
adapted into a visual medium that I enjoy comics. So I, I was mainly reading this for fun. You know, I just kind of read the five issues. And some people would ask me about it online, like what I thought of it and this and that and the other thing. And, you know, Justin was kind of curious too. So we, we sat down, we read it. And I think what I'm going to do is thanks to Xenopedia for the synopsis I'm about to steal. I did not really proofread this, but you know what? I think Xenopedia has some people that can like read and speak English. So I think I'm okay. You know, so, so uh, I, I think well, it's pretty good. Hold the phone. There's a Xenopedia. There, there, so there's like, there really is an encyclopedia for everything now then. I, I, I think so. It, like, basically, I think it's like for, for people that are fans of like Predator or Alien, like it's like, mm-hmm. it's like an AVP kind of Wikipedia thing where they go into like all the, you know, all the films, all the ancillary, you know, video games and media. It, it's like Wikipedia, but for, for aliens, mm-hmm. Xenopedia or whatever. So that's, that's where I got this from. And I will, like, we were discussing this before we, we got online, so to speak, or before we went live, you know, with the recording, so to speak. But I think my game plan is I'm not going to break it down into issue by issue. I'm just going to kind of give you the overall, you know, synopsis of what occurs in the screenplay slash, you know, comic adaptation. And then me and Justin will, will discuss and everything. So here we go. Following the events of Aliens, the USS Sulaco crosses into socialist state UPP, Union of Progressive Peoples, territory, and a ship swiftly boards the Sulaco for inspection. Three UPP commandos, Kurtz, Juanito, and Chang, explore the interior of the ship and discover Bishop's severed legs, and later, the hypersleep chambers containing Ripley, Newt, Hicks, and Bishop's upper torso. Upon reaching Bishop and opening the chamber, however, Kurtz notices that his torso was fostering an alien egg, and a facehugger swiftly leaps out and subdues him. In the panic, Juanito and Chang take Bishop's torso and retreat back to their ship, leaving Kurtz. Later at Space Station Anchor Point, Sergeant Jackson interrupts Biolab Tech Tully and Spence's quote-unquote downtime, oh yeah, to tell them that they have encountered the Sulaco and that two members of Weyland Utani's weapons division who recently arrived at the station, Kevin Fox and Susan Wells, demand a full biohazard containment procedure, with Tully leading the operation. Meanwhile, First Officer Rossetti is having a conference with Fox and Wells. Rossetti notes that the two suspiciously departed from the Gateway Station three days prior to the navigational error that caused the Sulaco to arrive in UPP territory, and that despite the fact that they are present to investigate the navigation error, he questions how they were able to leave early before the error had even occurred. Fox and Wells continue to remain evasive. Rosetti accuses the two of deliberately sabotaging the Sulaco and that their presence as military personnel alongside the Sulaco incident violates the Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty made between Weyland-Yutani and the UPP. The two suits explain that the decision to sabotage the Sulaco was made from the top and that the company had noted that the ship was returning to Gateway with quote-unquote weapons-related material. The decision was made to reroute the ship to Anchor Point, and that the risk of UPP interference was worth it. Fox then informs Rossetti that they'll personally be accompanying the biohazard team. Tully, Spence, Wells, Fox, and other members of the team board the Sulaco whilst Jackson remains in ops room for surveillance. The team encounters the hypersleep chambers containing Newton Ripley, with Ripley suddenly jumping to life and attacking the group. 
As she struggles with Tully, Fox manages to sedate her, rendering her unconscious. Shortly afterwards, Wells discovers the corpse of Kurtz. Fox and Wells subsequently take the corpse back to Anchor Point's morgue for examination, discovering that his chest was ripped open. Meanwhile, at the UPP station, Rodina, Colonel Dr. Suslov, alongside Chang, is examining the torso of Bishop, projecting images of the facehugger, which Chang states she recognizes. When the senior projects the image of a xenomorph and asks if the latter also attacked them, Chang responds with no. Back at Anchor Point, a now-awakened Hicks is seen sitting in the med lab smoking. Spence informs him that he isn't allowed to smoke, to which he responds with, Yes, ma'am. As the two talk, Newt suddenly comes running into the room, frightened and demanding to know where Ripley is. Spence takes Newt and Hicks to see Ripley, who is comatose. Newt asks Spence if Ripley is dreaming, the latter responding that she doesn't know. Newt cites that it's better not to. Spence and Tully discuss the circumstances with the three survivors, with Ripley going into catatonic shock, Newt refusing to cooperate and staying silent, and Hicks repeatedly asking when he's going to be debriefed. Tully suddenly tells Spence to come over, noticing something concerning in his microscope when examining a sample from Bishop that he had taken. Meanwhile, in the station's eco-module, Newt is seen with Wells. Newt states that she would like to go to Africa. Wells responds that that can be arranged, providing Newt cooperates under the circumstances they discussed, with Newt acknowledging about not telling, quote-unquote. Wells later tells Spence that Newt will undergo therapy at Gateway before returning to Earth to live with her grandparents in Oregon. Back at Rodina, several UPP officials are discussing the matter of their findings. They conclude that Weyland yutani is aware of the alien and that the Hadley's Hope incident was related to the company's efforts attempting to acquire a specimen. As such, the company is violating the Arms Reduction Treaty. Rodina's diplomatic officer, Rivera, suggests they return Bishop fully repaired in exchange for the corpse of Kurtz and pretend to know nothing of the Xenomorphs. Rivera subsequently contacts Rossetti and informs Anchor Point of unlawfully holding Kurtz. Rossetti feigns ignorance and makes mention of the UPP holding Bishop. Rivera responds that the UPP do not grant synthetics the status of citizens, but instead consider them machines, and that Bishop is being held in response to treaty violations when the Sulaco trespassed UPP territory. Rivera goes on to say that they will be returning Bishop to the station, giving Anchor Point no justification of keeping Kurtz. In the Anchor Point biolab, Fox is called by Tully and Spence, who, after running tests on the samples with human DNA, make a shocking discovery. Despite compatibility tests with human DNA, usually taking a minimum of 53 hours to complete, the sample, which Tully states doesn't resemble biological material at all, eats away and absorbs the human DNA strand in a matter of seconds. Tully goes on to say that the two terminated the sample, much to Fox's outrage. Although Tully states that a major containment facility would be needed to run further tests, Fox responds with this station is our containment facility. A UPP interceptor then lands at the docking bay, with Chang emerging to drop off the repaired Bishop. The group scan Bishop for any new circuitry and tampering and find nothing. Wells states that they should assume that the UPP have accessed his memories of the Xenomorph. Wells later visits Tully, examining the alien sample in a containment tank, which is slowly growing into a miniature egg. Suddenly a crack appears on one of the containment tanks and suddenly explodes, causing shock and Tully and Wells to hit the floor. 
one of the samples suddenly implodes, causing a cloud of motes to be released in the air. Tully immediately yells for the two to be sent to decon. The two are subsequently sent to the decontamination room. Afterwards, Wells has Tully and Spence off the project and requests for Bishop to take over the lab. After saying her goodbyes to the unconscious Ripley, giving her a map of where to find her on Earth, Hicks, who was recently debriefed by Wells, bids Newt farewell, the two giving each other the thumbs up, I affirmative, before Newt takes her leave and departs for Earth. Hicks is later called upon by Spence and other members of the station, who tell him that they recovered xenomorph samples from the Sulaco, with the company intending to clone it. Hicks joins the group in an effort to destroy the samples. Back in the docking bay, a xenomorph emerges from from a cooler grid that was previously retrieved from the Sulaco. Simultaneously, at Rodina, it is revealed that the xenomorph specimen that the officials were growing in a containment tank had broken loose and was causing havoc. Rosetti and Jackson attempt to contact Rivera to no success, but suddenly notice the battle cruiser Nikolai Stoico approaching Rodina. Over in the decontamination room, a xenomorph suddenly appears and kills a civilian. Hicks, Spence, and the others burst into the metal lab and prompt Bishop to terminate the samples. Bishop cites that he was going to do this himself. Regardless, the samples are terminated just before Wells could interfere, leaving her in disarray. She attempts to attack Spence, but Spence quickly punches her in the gut. Wells doubles over and spouts how the company is going to ruin her. However, before she could finish, she begins convulsing and mutating. Suddenly, a fully grown adult xenomorph bursts from inside Wells and tears her apart, revealing the decontamination procedure that Wells and Tully took were failures. The xenomorph suddenly grabs a stunned Rossetti and headbites him before dragging him away, leaving the others shocked. Fox, seeing this from the ops room, destroys the room using his laser rifle. He subsequently heads to the docking bay and boards a ship, only to find the cockpit covered in hive resin and a nightmarish, bisected, half-mutated torso of a man. Fox looks on in horror as a xenomorph lurks behind him. Spence searches for Tully, who, much to her dismay, finally discovers a semi-mutated Tully who locked himself in a cold store, sacrificing himself to prevent himself from transforming. Meanwhile, sensing that Anchor Point is doomed, Hicks grabs a still comatose Ripley and gives her Newt's map, placing her in a shuttle with coordinates to Earth. Although Bishop questions the possibility of Ripley being infected, Hicks says he'll take his chances before launching her into space. The group check the ops room and locate the Stoico approaching Rodina. The Stoico launches a missile into Rodina and destroys the entire station, but not before Chang manages to escape in a shuttle as the sole survivor. The group contemplate their hopes of survival and suggest that the best thing to do is to blow up Anchor Point. The colonist ship Kansas City is due for arrival, shortly containing over 300 colonists for a refuel. They decide to take a shuttle, set the station to self-destruct, and wait outside the blast radius for the Kansas City to pick them up. Hicks subsequently retrieves the AK-104 suit gun from Kurtz's corpse in the morgue. In the eco-module, crew member Halliday is searching for the lemurs present there, only to be suddenly attacked by the Wells-infected xenomorph and tackled into a nearby stream. Hicks and Spence arrive, with Hicks firing a shot into the water while Spence yells out her name. With Halliday now dead, Hicks and Spence reunite with the rest of the group and head to the docking bay and prepare the compression suits. Tatsumi is bitten by the Wells xenomorph and begins mutating while Hicks enters a ship, to which he encounters a cocooned fox in the interior. Hicks 
throws two grenades into the ship before shooting and killing Tatsumi. The well xenomorph suddenly emerges and impales Jackson before being ambushed and killed by a normal xenomorph. As the creature turns its attention to the rest of the survivors, Chang arrives in the UPP interceptor, guns down the alien, and rescues the remaining group consisting of Spence, Hicks, and Bishop. The interceptor leaves as Anchor Point explodes behind it. Inside, Hicks questions if they were infected, to which Bishop confirms that they are not. However, Chang is dying of radiation poisoning due to narrowly escaping the destruction of Rodina. As the ship docks on Kansas City, Bishop notes how humanity can now unite against a common enemy in the form of the Xenomorph threat and cease warring with each other for a greater cause. And that is the sweet, but maybe not so short synopsis of William Gibson's Alien 3, the comic book adaptation of one of ten screenplays for can, Alien 3. Can we talk about that? Because, like, I have questions. Like, yes. Me, me, Grimlock, have questions. So, uh, if, if, you're, if you're a Xenomorph fan, like, if you're, if you're in the shit, you know about the wooden planet full of manuscript it's pretty infamous so my first question is why didn't they adapt that do you um, I, I mean do, do you know or do you have theories i don't know like like i i'm guessing it's just based on maybe they thought they could sell it based on you know you know how like when we used to have those comics back in the 90s where it's like Leonard Nimoy's Primordials, and mm -hmm. he probably didn't touch a lick of it or whatever. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. did, what what did they do? They found some napkins that Gene Roddenberry's like, cast Kevin Pretty... Zorbo, right? Like, you know you know what I mean? Like, like, like I'm yeah. assuming that that is what, you know, when, when they went in and did the pitch and everything, like, who knows, maybe, uh, you know, I mean, this is all supposition. I don't, I don't know any of this for sure, right? But who knows? Maybe Johnny Christmas, like maybe Johnny Christmas was like us and was like, man, wouldn't it be cool to do the cloudy planet made of wood and adapt that, and it'll be all weird and <laughs> crazy and whatever, and and we'll do that. And they're just like, well, who wrote that? And it's like, how can we sell that? Like, you know, and it's like, well, there was this other draft, and it was written by William Gibson. And it's like, who's that? That's the Johnny Mnemonic guy. The Johnny Mnemonic guy great like let's let's do that larry like let's you know let, let's slap his name on it and make it a marketable thing so that people who recognize you know they've got it you know maybe it's not enough to just have the recognition of alien 3 because maybe that's more infamous than notable but but the fact that you slap like william gibson's name on it and say okay i mean you know it, it'd be like you know Harlan Ellison's Alien Resurrect, you know, like, I'm just making shit up, but you know what I mean, like, like, if you, if you attach a famous science fiction writer's name to Alien, I think that kind of doubles the bang for your buck, I mean, it worked for me, right, like, I mean, I, I, I was not, this was not something that, like, I found in the solicits or anything, it wasn't like I was like, oh, yeah, I'm totally looking forward to this when this comes out, it was just kind of like me going, wait, there's an there's an adaptation of Alien Three, and it's written by you know it comes from a screenplay that was written by William Gibson, like from the many screenplays. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take a look at this. Like I'm, it's like one of those uh, you know clown car wreck things. Like I have to slow down and take a look. Like I wanna I wanna see what this is all about. Like this is I, I've invested too much. You know I, I'm I'm like I've watched Alien Three probably like. 
two or three times in my lifetime, which is way more than it deserves. And then on top of that, we did we did that alien show, and I mm-hmm. I got into watching all the supplemental material and and really dug deep as far as that goes, which did you know like I said, the shit show that is making Alien Three completely fascinated me. So I was like, well, this is another layer to it that that I figured I would get into, and and then this I. I I, I told Mike this before when we were talking to him, but I don't know if I told you this, but the way I, because I, you know, I had already read this for fun, and sometimes mm-hmm. I try to come up with new and interesting ways to to reread things or revisit things or whatever. And so as I was looking into it on Xenopedia, thank you Xenopedia for yeah. the information. There's a audiobook released by Audible that stars Lance Hendrickson and Michael Bean reprising their roles, and it's an audio drama of this screenplay. So what I hmm. did in preparation was I, I listened to the audio drama while I was reading this. And there, there's some subtle differences, but mm-hmm. it was a fun way to, to revisit this. So okay. I, I, I would recommend that if, if, you, if you even have a modicum of interest in Alien 3 and or this adaptation and or this version of the screenplay, and you like Michael Bean and Lance Hendrickson. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll be upfront. It does suffer from that, you know, like when they do the Return of the Cape Crusader type stuff where you can, you know, you can hear the old in, in Michael Bean and, and Lance Hendrickson's voice, but it's still, it's them. It's it's totally them, and it's it's very cool. I mean, Lance Hendrickson does a lot of expository-type uh, expository dialogue to sort of, you know, explain in, say, an audio medium, and, and he, he does a good setup at the beginning that kind of, like, gives you, like, basically it's like, last time on Aliens, you know, and he kind of gives you, like, the, he gives you, like, the, this is what happened in Aliens, so you're, like, caught up to speed when you, like, start, like, this, you kind of, the, the comic book, you kind of come into the adaptation cold, right, like, like, it's just kind of like, all right, here we are, we're on this, you know, we're on another fucking space station, like, you know, and, and, and you're just kind of thrust into it in this adaptation. In hypersleep, the cognitive functions of synthetic humans run repair protocols, data-saving routines, and storage defrags. Usually, the dormant consciousness processes recent experience and saves any relevant analysis or data. In my case, this process has been complicated by extreme physical trauma. My efforts have been hampered by the loss of a large percentage of my body mass, torn away by a creature of extraordinary ferocity and strength. I will patch together what I can and hope for an opportunity to upload it at a future time. So this is what survives of my sensory data as executive officer aboard this vessel. The USS Sulaco attaches technical support to the 2nd Battalion Bravo Marine Squad under Lieutenant Scott Gorman. But in the, I, I think the, uh, the the audio drama, you know, they they set up a little more. There there might be more to the screenplay than what we saw in this adaptation. I don't know how much in the audiobook was added for kind of the the purposes of the medium, if that makes sense. Like I'm mm-hmm. sure some stuff, like there's some dialogue where it's like, boy. Look at that other alien's, you know, swipe off that other alien's face. Uh, isn't that weird? You know, like, like there's that kind of, like, dialogue that, that goes into, like, an audio-based medium thing. So so you sort of have an idea of what's going on. Or, like, Lance Henderson would be like, and then they were totally dissecting my ass. And, the you know, the, them, you know, I'm like, 
them, them Ruskies, they were, they were totally like reading my brain patterns and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, so you knew kind of what was going on essentially and everything. I, I have another question for you. So you take Alien 3, the movie, and you can choose either the theatrical cut or the director's cut versus this comic. Like, which one do you prefer? Huh. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of Alien 3. I, I, I can't, know. I, I know. can't, I can't say I'm a fan of this either, but you, mm. there, there is that weird part of me though that like, in the shit show supplemental material, like my heart goes out to Michael Bean. Like, like I get that he thought he was going to have a bigger role. They were going to do some kind of family dynamic with three of them. And that's not necessarily what this is, but, but there's, there's like 25, 30% is, is, you know, newts in it. She doesn't get turned into a little face hug, whatever the, you know, happens to, like they don't all mm-hmm. get brutally murdered, right? So that's yep. that's an uptake from Alien Three right away, right? They they continue the story. Like, I mean, look, it, I know this is gonna sound weird. If I had my dithers, like uh, I'm like my dithers, I can't even say that right. I always say that because I inherit like weird saying. But if I had my druthers, if I had my druthers, I would prefer them to have made some kind of adaption of like the dark horse comics like the the ones that mm-hmm. the, the that mini series like the the black and white and then that that especially that color one that immediately like fo- followed like i don't know like I, I to me that was alien 3 and when i saw alien 3 like shit all over that like that that broke my heart too so but i guess to answer your question there's there's a Percentage wise, I probably prefer certain aspects of this more than the film per se. But then, I mean, you got to wrestle with like, okay, so you would have had Lance Hendrickson and Michael Bean in this definitely. I I don't know how they were going to get away with, uh, you know, keeping uh, Sigourney Weaver comatose the whole script. I mean, I I assume that's. I I tried to explain this to you before, but um, I Mm -hmm. mean, I assume that's like a. Charlton Heston, you know, in the beginning yeah. of Beneath and at the end of the Beneath, and that's all they could get them for, and that was that. Like that—that's something that I noticed about this. Like this—this this was written clearly at a stage where they either weren't sure that they could even get Sigourney Weaver, or they—they they, she wasn't as interested, and she was just gonna, you know, do something and be shot off into space or something for the next movie or so. I, you know, I don't know exactly what what was going on there per se, but that was clearly when she had minimal involvement in what was going on so that's i don't know see see that 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 also like how do i explain this alien 3 bothers me because sigourney weaver as a representative of a strong heroic female in science fiction fantasy you know what have you right gets like she has to commit suicide like and i don't like that like at all but this is no, I mean, it's a little better, but not by much, right? Like, because in this, she's immediately after the events of Aliens, where she's like super, you know, badass and whatever, she immediately goes comatose because of all the stress, and then is just basically out of it for the rest of the movie and then gets shot off into space and never to be seen again, basically. So in the same sense, they're, this is just as guilty of jettisoning 
anything a- any advancement the character had so so that to me is a drawback so i mean i guess i like this a little better but not by much and maybe because i'm infusing a bunch of stuff into it like i was trying to imagine like like who would you cast in this and i was like sitting there going oh wouldn't it be cool if like they got like Zhang Zhi to be uh chang or something like that mm. like like that would be super cool or like yeah. or like what if i don't know i was trying to think like uh, i'm like i was trying to think of some like you know super ice queen bitch could play uh wells or whatever like yeah. whether it was like Charlize theron or like uh i, I don't know you, you know what i kept thinking of and i i don't know if this is just my conspiracy theory or like hollywood never throws away a good idea but like i don't like like the things i don't like about this like my favorite part in this comic and adaptation i love the moment where the hybrid gets pwned by the original like that that to me is the antithesis of everything i hate about like 90s ponage and like Mm -hmm. spinosaurus owning the t-rex and (laughs) and 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 uber what is it like uber species 8472 yeah species 8472 like like a pred pred alien like owning like predator and aliens and all this other dumb stuff like i hate all that stuff that stuff can go to hell like i think it sucks and i love in this moment where it's like the hybrid alien which is almost like that weird like this is when people ask me about this online like ryan daly was like what what did you think of this and and i i tried to be vague about it but here i can be super specific it's like so the hybrid it's like it's got touches of of all that weird shit that went down in Prometheus, you know, like the, the spores and like the way they get infected is not the same. You know, it's not mm-hmm. the standard ingestion of the embryo and then they bust through the chest and that's it. Like this is like she literally like her skin rips off and she literally, you know, she's, she, she, you know, I turn into a bug, you know, like she, she, <laughs> she fucking like her skin rips off and she fucking Red turns. Yeah. Yeah. She, she coughs cause of the fucking alien. <laughs> she turns into the xenomorph. Right. And its face is, is a little more human, which reminds me of that awkward baby uh-huh. fucking wackadoo thing from resurrection too. I mean, it doesn't have the human flesh, but it, it's got more human elements than not. And, of course, what I adore is when the classic alien soldier, like, sees that thing, it immediately makes a beeline to it and is like, POSER! And just fucking rips its face <laughs> off and tears it in half, like, fucking when the Incredible Hulk, like, ripped open Ultimate Wolverine and that stupid Lindelof thing or yeah. whatever and just rips him in half and it's dead. And that's it. And I, I just, I adore that. And then kind of going back full circle, you know what she reminded me of? And I, I was like, maybe Hollywood couldn't get rid of an idea or maybe, I don't know. I, I'm always suspect. I'm like, somebody stole this from William Gibson or whatever. But like, dude, isn't this just like species? I mean, a cold, like, like, bitchy blonde chick like like i'm like could you have cast natasha henstridge as this wayland yutani weapons division executive you know and then she becomes an hd geiger thing you know like that's kind of sexy but kind of not like you know what i mean like like i don't know that that's the stuff that i thought of and i i guess that's why again i have more fun with the shit show than the actual content. So, so is is this better than Alien Three the movie? Like maybe a little bit, but they're both kind of not 
like great, but I have fun. Yeah. I have fun looking at this stuff and just like going like what what could have been and this is i don't know this, this is all to me it's just fascinating shit and like it is. It, it, it sort of gets my gets my synapses kind of you know boom, 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 you know like kind of thing and i i enjoy that aspect of this not not so much like i'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you oh man this is the greatest fucking story ever but but it does kind of get me pumped in a weird way to like think of what could have been and what might have been and that kind of kind of notion yeah I, I mean the reason i was asking you earlier if we were going to talk about the individual issues is like i mean i just read this like four hours ago maybe and i've already forgot like who the like the non real mm. characters are you know like i mean hicks and ripley and all that like the people in the script that are new like i've already forgot most of their names i thought the first like three ish issues were like really slow and dull and they're all they all kind of like merge mm. together and i was like i was reading this and i was like oh no i think i think i think we made a boo boo this is not that good but then like issue like 4 and 5 it like it picks up it's like that you know it's like you can tell like 4 and 5 or it's like the last what probably 45 minutes of the movie or something so it's kicking in with the action i was like okay and then you know the question i posed to you which do you like i even though this is like pretty slow build up, like maybe it would translate better as a film. Like I, I hate all the space politics and mm. space like contracts and all that stuff. Like that that jargon was just like making me want to take a nap, man. And then like the the one chick space bitch or whatever you want to call her wells or whatever yeah, i was just like yeah. i can't wait till she dies and she has a really <laughs> great death i was like that's what you get space bitch for canceling people's con contracts and acting like that but i the the, the the things that always bothered me the most about alien 3 and i probably said this on our alien show was just how unceremoniously it kills off you know yes newt and hicks yes, that ab always absolutely. bugged the shit out of me and I mean, the, it's a good idea. Okay, like you're you're on this planet of prisoners, and there's no weapons because they're the prisoners, and because you know Sigourney Weaver like is you know for gun control and stuff. I was like, well, that's still an interesting pr premise. You're with all these prisoners. There's no guns or anything. I I don't know. I I like the creativity in like the last several issues of this like the hybrid the hybrid getting pwned like the different methods of like the spores and stuff which like you said kind of makes me think of like prometheus and yeah, covenant yeah. stuff and then like when the hybrid burst out of the her well, i was just like whoa i was like that's really cool and i was trying to imagine how they would have did that like in you know in, in a, a movie yeah i was like could that that would have been like a really cool like physical effect i was like man that would have been great i was like I, as slow as the first like two or three issues are, like I think I would have rather watched this than either cut of like the real Alien Three. I think. Yeah. I mean, aside from Ripley, like I'm with you. Like, I think it needed Ripley. I think you could have like written out some of these like poser space political bozos and like put ripley in there and had her be you know continue to be a badass and not sacrifice herself not get an alien in her belly and whatever well you know what's what's interesting is like 
I I think listening to the audiobook helped me a little bit with, mm. with comprehension in a way because I'm just going to say like and this is not damning or anything but I think Johnny Christmas did you know this to the best of his ability. I don't think he was trying to make a shitty adaptation. Yeah. But what I will say is I did have moments because we're not as familiar with the characters as others, and because it seems like likenesses are not really being used, I don't know if mm-hmm. it's a legal thing or what, but but I mean they're 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 comic book approximations. You know, they're the Marvel comics uh, versions of Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica. You you know it's Hicks, but it doesn't mm-hmm. look like Michael Bean. You know it's Bishop, but it's not a you know it it's not this you know kind of Alex Ross, you know, like, like, you know, (laughs) like, you know, you see every wrinkle and it looks exactly like Lance Hendrickson. And the same thing goes for the comatose Scorny Weaver and the same thing goes for Newt. And, and because you have that pre-established history with those characters, when it's done in that art style, it's fine. You can follow which character is which, but when you introduce these new characters, I remember reading issue five, and for a moment, for some reason, I mean, you know, I almost had the thought of, did Ripley get out of her space pod and hijack a ship that, and come back and blow too. away the alien? Yeah. And, and, and it wasn't Ripley, it's mm-hmm. it's Chang. You know, mm-hmm. she's the only person who gets off of the, you know, and, and man, William Gibson, such a, such a futurist, progressive, socialist, whatever the fuck, like, awesome. But anyway get me into trouble but i don't care <laughs> fucking upp i am not down with the fucking upp people i'm not but, down but with derek, it derek derek it's commies in space <laughs> it is it is commies in space <laughs> and 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 so you got and, and it's like okay fine yeah the evil capitalist guys are no better right you've got you've got fox who's like the Man, he's like Burke on turned up to eleven in this, yeah. right? He, I mean, he's got a laser gun and he's fucking over everybody. He's shooting escape pods out so people can't use them to get away. I mean, man, you thought Burke was a slime bag? Like this guy is, uh, you know, Burke turned up to eleven and everything. And in that sense, like, like that's always been my definition of a good sequel is it escalates what came before it it's like oh you thought paul riser as burke was bad news like this guy's even worse i you know i wonder i wonder if like charles dance as fox would have been like a really good Mm. like can you see that like picture that because i can yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, I'm still, I'm still back on like Natasha Henstridge, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like sitting there going, like, what if they cast like Heather Locklear as, uh, as uh, mm-hmm. Wells or whatever? I don't know. I'm just going through my head thinking of like, you know, pretty ice queens uh, that could turn into like uh, Kafka uh, aliens or whatever. You're thinking of the decontamination sequence, yeah? <laughs> like, yeah oh yeah, yeah baby, decontaminate yeah, yeah. yourself, exactly, aliens, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't, you know, like that's that that's something else where it's like you 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 didn't deal with too much of the scientific aspect of it, and I think maybe that's part of like I I know there's a lot of exposition in this, and that's why mm-hmm. it took a while to get pumping before you got yeah. to the climax, and I'm, I I can understand that. That's a that's a legitimate criticism, I think, and and I think it's telling that even though I wrote. I, you know, I basically just stole the Xenopedia synopsis, but I did just for my own, I don't know, uh, edification, I did sort of make breaks as to where 
the synopsis ended as to you know the first issue the second issue and so on and basically what i noticed is the fifth issue is like one paragraph the fourth mm. issue is like a few paragraphs but like the first three it's like you know five to six seven pair you know what i mean so there's lots of you know there's a lot of setup going on in this kind of you know the the piece as as you go through the first couple issues and then once the action you know it's like a screenplay once the rising you know it's like once they do the setup that by the fourth and fifth issue you're in the rising action and everything is kind of you know going downhill and 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 running at a breakneck pace which you know that that's that's probably you know that's that's a mathematical formula you know that's how you write screenplays and everything but i i, I see what you're saying though about the setup like like that kind of thing you would have to really enjoy who they cast as these characters yeah. and, and, and like them and everything, or at least, you know, be fascinated by their performances, you know, like you could have, I don't know, I'm trying to think of somebody, but you know, you could have, I don't know, they, they probably wouldn't get them, but you know, it's like if you had, uh, you know, I don't know, Jodie Foster as Sergeant Jackson or something, you know, like, I don't know, like some, somebody that you, you'd be compelled to watch on screen, right? Like that, that would, uh, assist with something like this, you know, and, and have other strong female actresses to, uh, you know, I don't know, make up the difference because poor Sigourney Weaver is comatose for most of the movie, right? Like, so, so you'd want to have people that you'd enjoy watching, but also had strong roles and everything. But yeah, I, I guess I did have those moments where kind of like that Battlestar Galactica versus Battlestar Galactica, where I was uh -huh. looking at the art and had some moments where I was like, "Wait, who the fuck?" You know, even even when even when Fox gets stuck in the alien hive or whatever, there's that moment where it's supposed to be a big shock where it's like, "You," and I'm like, "You who? Oh, oh, oh!" Like now that I've reread it twice and had the audio book to go off of, because I, I think the audio book also does a good job of like if if they don't you know if the comic doesn't name the characters just assumes you know them like sometimes uh -huh. the audiobook will be like yeah and man that fox is trapped in that thing yeah the fox yeah so you're <laughs> like oh okay cool like i know who this is you know like where it's they 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 you know they, you know they're probably catering to my you know dummy attention span or whatever or like you said some some of this is really laborious i mean the the politics of it all you know i mean essentially yeah you've got the ussr and the usa in space you know, the USA has turned into this corporate oligarchy, you know, which everybody is, you know, afraid of, you know, happening and all that other stuff. And then, you know, you get the progressive peoples of uh, Stanislavia or whatever the fuck it's called in space, you know, and, 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 you know, basically you've got, you know, I mean, they, they crack the jokes about, you know, oh, Chang, maybe you'll meet some, you know, attractive, wealthy, you know, capitalist mm -hmm. when you go over there and everything, you know, and that kind of thing. And, you know, and, and she's clearly, you know, a, uh, you know, a, a Chinese national, you know, which is why I was like, oh, that'd be cool if Chang chi was, was cast as her, you know, or something like that. And, you know, like, you know, somebody that you, you would enjoy, you know, their work on screen and stuff like that. And, 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 you know, I mean, it, it would have been a pretty, I think, interesting cast because there were lots of different characters and yeah you got to have the you know the fodder or whatever i mean I'll, I'll tell you one thing like the people in this screenplay i liked way better than those people in covenant that i just wanted to watch die when they first came on <laughs> yeah. screen you know that were a bunch of yeah. morons like that all deserve to die you know what i mean um, like like these people like okay they're in the middle of 
of a uh, a territory that's that's not you know controlled by them, but they're trying to you know do research to make lives better for all of humanity. They seem like, you know, decent folks. If not, yeah, they have foils and, and, and they have foibles and, and, and problems and things like that. But I mean, I, I didn't wish ill will on any of the people, except for like what you're saying, when, when, when Wells and Fox show up, you can tell they're sketch, right? They're sus. And that, that, (laughs) you know, they, they, they're, they have ulterior motives. And, and of course they turn out to be, just as bad, if not more bad than the xenomorphs themselves, right? So, so when when they get their come up, it's yeah, you have a sense of catharsis, and you're like, yeah, stick it to you know, stick it to you, like you deserve it, kind of thing. But I mean, I'm I'm just talking about all the different, you know, the the personnel. They're on a non-military base. They've got the scientists and the 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 eco what do they call them like eco biologists and stuff like you know it's like they, they, you know they all seem like pretty good people they were trying to take care of Newt they're trying to take care of Hicks they're trying to take care of Ripley these characters you already have an association with and you say like okay these people are you know these people are not so bad like they're they're trying to look out for these other people that you liked and 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 it, it moves in that general direction so I mean I I will say that much like I, I like them all better than the people in Covenant so there's that right. You know, something I was thinking about earlier is when it comes to Alien and Ghostbusters, like, what I consider the real third movie, like, they're both video games. Mm. Like, for Ghostbusters, it's that game that came out, like, 10 or 11 years ago. I don't know if you ever played it, but, like, not only is that a fun game to play, but it, it brings back all the original cast members except Rick Moranis. And it further expands all this, like, Ghostbusters lore from the first two films. It's like, oh, you like Stay Puft Marshmallow Man? Well, here he is in this level. He's back. And then, you know, the movies are always referencing, like, Tobin Spirit's guy and all that stuff. Well, like, they go, like, way into that. And I'm like, not only is it a fun game, but it's great. And then for Alien, what I consider, like, the real third alien movie is a game that came out a few years ago. It's called Alien Isolation. And it's oh, about, like... Okay. Ripley's daughter is on this space station and it's I think I've talked about it once like I think it was my awesome thing of the week but like basically that game is like the old Resident Evil games where it's survival horror and if you get like four bullets you better make them last and not waste them right but like that like again like not only is that such a fun game but like both of those games were made by people who genuinely love those films and they like recreate the feel and the look of them, and they're like, I appreciate the the love and care, and I appreciate all the little nods to lore. Like it's not just like, oh, here's an Easter egg for like, you know, remember when Mister Spock said blah? So here's blah and Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> it's like it's it's not that. It's like oh, like that's it's like it's really cool that you like recreated this old you know set from the first movie like in a video game and you can walk around it and do all this stuff but like like to me like those are the real third movies i mean like like this comic like this is interesting but to me like alien isolation is like the real alien mm-hmm. three yeah, yeah yeah no i mean i i, I think we're saying the same things and have different different pedestals for for Mm -hmm. what alien 3 was but i i think we're definitely saying the same stuff
still looking on you. The Nostromo went missing 15 years ago. I want to know what happened. I think I found something. It's about your mother. We think we may have found her, Belinda. going on here? Is there anywhere safe left on this station? There's something else here. A creature. A creature? You let it out? We had it locked down and you let it out? Ripley, it's still on your tail. Yeah, I think I think you and I are basically saying the same thing. Like we just have different choices to put on our pedestal of, of you know, the, mm-hmm. the elevated version of Alien Three. What that would be for for each of us. But I, I feel like you know, the, essentially what we're saying is this was a good attempt, maybe, but falls short of the mark as far as like a, yeah. a, a true Alien Three or a successor. I, like I, I I don't know. I mean, I I would almost argue maybe like. It's that it's that funny argument I've seen made nowadays. Is if if you if you if there are you know seven, ten, whatever movies in a franchise, and you only like the first two, like do you really like the franchise? <laughs> you know, like there's yeah. that, it's like if 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 a tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it, kind of question. You know, where you're like, wait, you're like, I am a fan of Aliens, but then uh, I feel like it is kind of true almost. Where I'm like, I, I kind of only like the first two movies. You know, like so it's like you start to question yourself, but it's like shit. It's not my fault. Back then there was there was two good movies and one shitty one. They just kept making <laughs> shitty ones. Like it's uh, not my fault. <laughs> I I do I do like this thing of taking old. Old scripts or screenplays and turning them into comics. You know, you got this. Mm. You've got Harlan Ellison's uh, version of Oh yeah, yeah, uh, City on the Edge Forever. Forever. Yeah. So if if this becomes a thing like that, comics like wants to do, like I'm 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 all for that. Yeah, like you know I would what, be interesting you know, in that. You know what I haven't read, but I kind of want to read is uh, they they did that Pierre uh, Bulls. Planet of the Apes comic oh, too. Yeah, right? yeah, I've not read that either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like th- things like that. Like that's why I was like, oh yeah, that that you know, th- things like that seemed like they'd be fun to at least you know examine. I mean, you know, I, I I'm sure they all, you know, the the final product may vary depending on who's involved in it and everything. But but I I do find that kind of stuff fascinating. Yeah. If you rebuild it, they will come. They burned it down. If you rebuild it. Didn't hear them. Beg your pardon. The voice. Heat. If you rebuild it, they will come. They blew it up. If you rebuild it, they will come. They demolished it. If you rebuild it, they will come. But horror has a permanent address. Welcome to my home. The house of Frankenstein lives. You see, uh, we began a project few years ago but unfortunately it was it was interrupted and we're most anxious to take it up again in september and october the fire and water podcast network presents a supermates tradition covering four classic horror films and four related comic book adventures i must find more victims before my work is done 
You need look no further, Vampirus. We'll take the bat jet to the Hall of Justice and transform the other super friends. <laughs> Featuring an all-star cast. James Spader. What are you, crazy? Jack Nicholson. Oh, just marking my territory. Anthony Hopkins. She lives beyond the grace of God, a wanderer in the outer darkness. Lon Chaney Jr. One becomes accustomed to the darkness here. Michelle Pfeiffer. You're afraid that when it gets dark, you'll attack me. Vincent Price. Let's, uh... See what the rest of this mausoleum looks like. Gary Oldman. Enters freely of your own will and leave some of the happiness you bring. Winona Ryder. I almost feel pity for anything so hunted as this count. Peter Cushing. I am a doctor of medicine, law, and physics. To the best of my knowledge, doctorates are not awarded for witchcraft. But if ever they are, no doubt I shall qualify for one. And Keanu Reeves. Doctor! This Halloween, visit our field of screens at the scenic House of Frankenstein where terror is only a listen away. <laughs> All right, well, I, I think that wraps up this episode. If you are interested in our month-long coverage, it's going to be Fan Holes Fright Fest all month this October. So if you've enjoyed this episode, check out the previous Comics Mofo episode and all the other shows, the spinoff shows we have that involve Fan Holes Fright Fest. We've got the proper show, Sentai Saturdays and Big in Japan. They're also participating in Fan Holes Fright Fest, so check all those out. If you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, if you're concerned that you're going to turn into a bug, you can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. The backlog of our episodes is over on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com, so you can check out all the episodes of Comics Motherfucker, and you can check out all the other spinoff shows. And we're on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. We're, we're on all that shit. So stream us, listen to us, all that good stuff. And until the next time, I am not down with UPP. Yeah, you know me. This is Derek. Derek WC signing off. This is Justin. I'm a bitch. And first. <laughs> signing off. And also, Mike couldn't be here because he's a scared of aliens and he's a duty <laughs> He's a duty
yeah, I think I think you and I are basically saying the same. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck that dog alien. He he he, he ingested. He, he he killed my buddy. <clears throat> Stupid dog alien. It's supposed to be a goat. What if, what if it was like Topanga as uh, Wells? <laughs> Man, would that See, have gotten I, I, his attention? That would have got my attention too. 